0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of Design Your Legacy. I'm Rosanna, your host and founder of fine jewellery company, Rosanna Croft Jewellery. Design Your Legacy is a podcast which I hope can inspire you to think about the legacy that you're leaving behind. Today I speak with Stephanie Hill, a cancer research scientist, classical crossover vocalist, ballroom and Latin dancer, equestrian and former Miss World Europe. A kind and purpose-led woman with many talents, actually known as a polymath. She's an advocate for polymathy among women and women in STEM. Her conversation is so insightful and we cover all bases of the life that she leads, including pageantry and what it taught her. Obviously, we also delve into cancer research quite a bit as well. Our theme throughout is the power of storytelling and what stories and legacies can do to change the world. I really hope you enjoy the conversation. Hello Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We've already had a little chat pre-recording and I can't wait to start this conversation. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing really well, thank you. Thank you so
0: much for having me on. No, I'm really excited to have you on. I wonder if you could just kind of start by introducing yourself, who you are, what you do, and then we'll get to it.
1: So um, I am a cancer research scientist, specifically in radiotherapy. I started out as a radiographer, had a couple of years stint in research, and then I've just been appointed a PhD position with the Manchester Cancer Research Centre looking cervical and bladder cancers I'm really passionate about women's cancers in particular so I'm really excited to get started and get my teeth stuck into that so that's what I do for a living it's a it's a, it's a wonderful job and I'm um I absolutely love the industry that I'm in.
0: I mean I uh, as I said before I'm just absolutely fascinated by science at the moment and in particular <laughs> cancer research funnily enough. Yes. I mentioned to you at the beginning of my cancer journey, I was kind of bombarded with people who were going through some kind of cancer, and and I kind of thought, well, I actually know somebody who is on the other side of it and who is helping us, um I guess, fix cancer for yeah. a better too. So <laughs> I'm really excited to have you on. But cancer research isn't the only thing you do, is it? I mean, you've got no. a whole <laughs> array of um, under your
1: under your belt. Everything else, basically. Um, I'm also a classical crossover vocalist, which was my side hustle throughout uni to try and help me just have a bit of spending money, basically um I'm also a Borum and Latin dancer I was trained in the other dancers but I identify as a Borum and Latin dance now because that's what I do all the time I, I did start at that through, through uni as well um I'm also an equestrian I currently have a three-year-old baby Warmblood who is he's a wonderful boy and he's learning his education really well he's been absolutely fabulous um yeah I, I just I just do a bit of everything really I'm kind of just a generic artist as well so I'm I'm, I'm a bit of a paradox in that I'm both arts and sciences and basically all of the things that I do makes me something called a contemporary polymath which means that I'm established in quite a few different fields that are all totally unrelated but I think many people re- don't realize that they're polymaths and it was something that was kind of thrust on me like oh you do know you're a polymath don't
0: you And I was like what the heck is that. So an explain, explain polymath then what's a polymath?
1: Yeah a, a polymath or a renaissance man or woman it's, it's inspired by uh, Leonardo da Vinci who was someone who was established in many different fields he was a he was an artist he was an engineer. He was um, all sorts of different things. He was a scientist. He was um, quite established in medicine as well. And it is someone who is well established to kind of um, to quite a high level in a number of different fields. So I, I, I've danced um, to quite a high level. I've kind of finished all my exams as such with that. Again, the singing and professional with my singing and professional in my science. And then with my equestrian uh, sports, I managed to get to quite high levels as well. And, and it kind of into that it takes something like uh, what is it 100 hours or 10 hours to master something but it, it's this kind of a polymath is the whole jack of all trades master of none kind of thing but they are usually getting towards master as well and I mean, again basically I've just never had a social life is the reason <laughs> I'm a polymath that's the truth um and, yeah, n- never went to parties or anything like that because I'd be doing I'd either be riding or playing the flute or having a singing lesson so yeah if you want to be a polymath just get rid of your social calendar it's just <laughs> that's the way to do it <laughs> say goodbye <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then- I see all my friends like once a year all on the same day I'm like guys can we do this day uh otherwise I'm not going to see you for another couple years hope that's okay and I'm just going to go back into a little polymath cave oh
0: but that's amazing though because it it means that you enjoy everything you do to a point where you want to succeed and excel in it that's
1: exactly it and that's it that's kind of one of the personality traits of a polymath is someone who gets very obsessed and very passionate about lots of things and doesn't want to decide what to define themselves by so like well I want to be everything and that and some people would be really uncomfortable with that and that's also fine like some people like this is where I am This is a straight path. I don't need any deviation. This is where I'm going. Whereas polymaths like, oh, my God, I want to do everything. So, yeah, it's it's, it's a really nice nice lifestyle. And yeah, I I very rarely get bored.
0: I know. I know. Well, so, yeah, because you explained that you were going to have a month off, which is incredible. And so many people, I think, wish that they could have a month off. Oh, God, yeah. And so, and, then, and now you've decided that you're too busy to carry on working.
1: Yes. Yeah, I had a day off, a singular day. It was the day after I finished my work, basically. And I, I just sent a text to my partner, like, I'm bored. He was like, You haven't even physically got out of bed yet. I'm like, I'm bored. He's like, You have got things to do. I was like, Yeah, but I don't want to do them. I'm just bored. Like, I just haven't. So I was just being a bit of a brat, basically. But yeah. <laughs> We're
0: all and um, then those I. Things. We, we we
1: are we are and then kind of yeah I filled up my schedule and that uh, and then again kind of yeah. said to my family I was like I don't have time to work now I've filled up this schedule and I'm having to turn things down kind of come October when I start uh, my new position and I'm like and I don't want to do that I'm like well you have to because it's called work and it's 21st century living love and you campaign for all this you know women in work and women in STEM you've got to go there and be there love you can't yeah. just talk about it <laughs>
0: Well, that's but do you know what? It's funny, though, because the first and I've been there as well when I've decided to take some time off. I don't take time off. I'm now. Being no, forced, I bet you don't. <laughs> I know, And I'm now being forced to take time off, which is a real eye opener. But yeah. it really goes to show the the importance of having a purpose, because I think when you said, here you go, stop. You, you go, you're on holiday for a week. You're not allowed to do anything. We do get bored because we're like, well, what's the purpose? What's the point?
1: Yeah, you look forward to going home you look forward to, well, I've got this when I get home and I've got that. And I've, you do start thinking, yeah, oh, gosh, purpose is such a, it, again, it's a huge topic that I'm, that I'm really yeah. passionate for. I mean, they, they say there's like three things you need in life is a responsibility, someone to talk to and a purpose.
0: Amazing. So, OK, so what you have many purposes. Um, <laughs> I'm now going to ask you what. What made you decide to go into science? Because I guess, I guess everything that you do at the minute, you know, your your ballroom dancing, your um, equestrian, it's kind of all, it's like extracurricular, isn't it? And yes, guess- and and very self-serving, I think as
1: well. Is Amazing. I've I've always said, you know, you know, I've had a stint in the music industry, I've had a stint with all of them kind of thinking do I do this professionally and I uh, you know my parents always they would kind of make bets between themselves but I probably wouldn't because I felt like it was too self-serving and I would kind of be there like the only reason I'm doing this is for me yeah. and that's lovely and it's something to enjoy but actually yeah when it comes to your life purpose personally I kind of want to know that what I'm doing is helping other people and yeah. um, and science that's a huge way of allowing you to do that most of the um the, the kind of the, the forefront runners of stem as science technology engineering and mathematics they always kind of have that purpose to make things better for people so whether it's you know coming up with a new mechanism that assists engines or whether it's coming up with a new technology a new algorithm or whether it's um you know using maths to find different answers for things you know and of course math is very universal it can be applied anywhere so again when it kind of becomes a professional pursuit that's when it it's not just for personal interest it is to make hopefully society better so science very much kind of covered that for me and at the end of my bachelor's when I qualified as a radiographer as much as I was physically working with patients um, I remember just saying I wanted more and I didn't kind of just want to be carrying out the protocols that someone else had come up with. I mm-hmm. wanted to be making those protocols. I wanted to be implementing the things that patients had told me throughout their yeah. treatment, the, the likes and the dislikes about radiotherapy and making that impact them in some way. And I remember I would, would basically used to upset my uh, seniors quite a lot by telling them, no, patients are students. Python, on and it didn't make me very popular if I'm completely (laughs) honest so I said right I'm going to go into research and I'll you know I'll see I'm gonna be a research radiographer I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with new protocols I'm gonna be at the very beginning coming up with these ideas that patients have told us about and finally I've made it five years later so and that's that's what made me want to
0: I'm so excited to hear you say all of this (laughs) it's honestly like I've got goosebumps (laughs) It's like I, I I don't know. I just think it's absolutely fascinating. And so, okay, so what's your P- you, you've just been accepted to do PhD? Congratulations. Yes. What Thank what you. are you going to focus on? So it, 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 my PhD is in cancer
1: sciences and it is specifically looking at ovarian, cervical and bladder cancers. I always say ovarian because I always kind of think of the gynecological cancers lumping them together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's cervical and bladder cancers. And basically it's looking at, um, we're going to be using the new MRI linear accelerator at the Christie and hopefully looking at some inflammation assays um, to see if, we already know that inflammation is a huge hallmark of cancer, but we're trying to see if there's anything else we can kind of uncover from that, let's say. And we'll be looking at inflammation assays, assessing how much inflammation there is, during radiotherapy treatment before and after and if there are any indicators as maybe it could be a precursor to progression, it could be a flag um, as to whether or not these patients are going to progress, how well they've responded to treatment, there's all sorts of things that we're hoping um, are going to be uncovered by this. I wouldn't say we're going in blind, we do have a bit of an idea as to hopefully what the results will be Um, but yeah we're hoping that it's going to be a nice big indicator looking at um, something called ELISA assays which are these, um, these inflammation assays and running these alongside um, this radiotherapy treatment and hoping that the the whole reason that we have the MRI linear accelerators is because magnetic um, resonance imaging doesn't give any additional radiation in addition to the radiation we've already prescribed these patients um, we, we scan patients on set to make sure that they are perfectly in the right place for what we have planned their radiotherapy to be but in order to do that previously we had to take a mini CT scan on set which would give them a dose of radiation now as we know radiation is um, a treatment for cancer, but it is also carcinogenic. And we don't want to be causing any additional, um, additional or secondary malignancies as a result of over someone. So we've really been driving trying to come up with ways to immobilize patients and way to make sure that we've got the patients in exactly the right position without giving them any more radiation than is absolutely necessary.
0: Yeah, wow. I mean, absolutely fascinating. And it's just amazing to see, like, I, I don't know we we think of cancer research and how how treatment has progressed in the last I don't know 10 years and also I've been I've been um I've been told it has come a long way in chemo radiotherapy in the last 10 years but to I don't know just to hear how Going to progress even further, and Mm. thanks to the studies that you're going to do, and it's just fascinating. I mean, I'm not going to lie, a lot of those words to me are like a a foreign language.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I did try and talk in layman's terms, but I got that halfway through, and I was like, Right, it sounds like a thesis, wind it in,
0: (laughs) you know. And it's just, it is, it is what it is, and you know, (laughs) it's, it's, but it's so fascinating. Now, I'm quite fortunate. I think I don't really know fortunate is the right word I won't have radiotherapy in my journey I've been told because I'll be having I've got a big big lots and lots of chemo and then Mm -hmm. a double mastectomy and reconstruction so I won't Mm -hmm. have uh, radiotherapy I don't think I don't really understand but (laughs) I did have a bone scan and I've had a CT scan and all of those. I've had yeah. every scan. <laughs> so it's it like <laughs> I've had like a magical, a tour. It's so later. sci-fi, isn't it? <laughs> it's so weird. But my my bone scan, they. I don't really know if I should be talking about this, but my bone scan, they <laughs> obviously inject you with radiation or whatever it yes. is. This thing, right? I that was two months ago. I've still got a shadow where they put it in my arm. Really? Yeah. yeah, it's so
1: weird. Uh-huh. It's like, it's Make like sure a- you report that. I mean, I always say with patients, really? report anything that you have because it will get written down. Okay. And we, we only kind of come up with clinical trial ideas from what patients have reported yeah. and what we've seen in clinics. Like a doctor will say, actually, I've had five patients that still have a shadow five months on. Maybe wow. we should have a look at that. So, yeah, report definitely report oh, okay. that. But That's so I mean... I can't surprised because again I know everybody responds completely differently against radioactive <laughs> scans. And they do the a radioactive agent and then it flags up all your bones. I think that's yeah. that. It's, it's I, fascinating. I don't kind of what goes on.
0: It's so weird because while I was in there, right, so I'd I'd before the before the diagnosis I'd had to stop running for two reasons one because my breast okay. really hurt, and the other because I'd hurt my foot uh-huh. I'd hurt my toe and I didn't know right. what I'd done anyway in the bone scan he said have you done something to your toe and I said yeah <laughs> actually I have so I think I fractured my toe and I had no idea but he was able <laughs> to tell me from this scan from the was- bone scan
1: well, how extensive? I mean, of course, they, they probably wouldn't really be looking at, you, you know, your kind of, um, your distant limbs as such when they're looking oh. at something it's, that's in the middle of you, you know, around the breast and the chest cavity. But yeah. I think the fact that they look so extensively, they looked all the way through your bones to see if yeah. there's anything going on. I think that was brilliant. Oh, yeah, no. You had absolutely. a good
0: radiographer that day. <laughs> I did. Do you know what? He was quite funny as well. No, I had, yeah. I can I absolutely cannot fault the service that I've had the service that I've had if only I could give five stars anyway okay so we'll talk less about my cancer journey um, because I'm better from talking about that but oh, no. yes. Yeah, so well and that's amazing I just I'm I'm in awe anyway so <laughs> um so aside from cancer and you wanting to um I guess I guess it's a, a huge way of giving back in your life um and 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 you serving the world but You also um, do pageant competitions, don't you? I do, yes. Uh, So talk to us about that because (laughs) I, you know – and I don't want to sound ignorant at all because I've known you for a few years and as we know I am just I I love everything that you do and that you stand for um uh, and we met because you were so kind as to do some modeling for Rosanna Croft <laughs> Jewelry and we had I was just class. your
1: local yokel that's what I love <laughs> <laughs>
0: it was honestly it was so much fun I loved it. Was that day. Day. it was a lovely day it was so such much. a lovely day I know um so anyway yes yeah, so we went through that and then obviously me and Laura who worked with me at the time we got mm-hmm. talking about what you were doing and we were just fascinated and then you spoke about the pageants and stuff so mm-hmm. n- not wanting to to sound ignorant you kind of think pageants and and the first thing that came to my mind was miscongeniality.
1: yeah well you know that isn't wholly inaccurate and My kind of story of miscongeniality was I'd been in the pageant industry for however many years and I'd never seen it because I was like, I'm not watching some spoof thing, it'll make me angry.
0: (laughs) And the, the, you know
1: yeah the other candidates like right this is a cardinal sin how could you not have seen miscongeniality? it's not what you think it is and I was like right okay so I think I was on a long flight somewhere on one of these various expeditions that I'm you know I was asked to go on as part of my work and I was like well I've got 12 hours and I've got miscongeniality on the plane let's bite the <laughs> bullet let's, let's just do it and I watched it and I really enjoyed it and there are elements of it that are so true and I think it's more kind of the personality these women that they are just a massive bunch of eccentrics it's yeah. not particularly about being particularly feminine or kind of very stereotypically feminine like kind of high voices mm-hmm. arms kind of bent in a Disney princess kind of way it's not so much that it's the fact that I think there's a scene where they all go to eat pizza or something yeah. and yeah it's it, it, that does happen like we'll be one day before something will be like oh should we just go get some pizza like that kind of there's a lot of self-preservation and these women do look after themselves. They do kind of get to a bit of a point where like, oh, you know what? Oh, it's odd. I'm just going to go and get myself a pizza. And these women, I think to put themselves out there, you know, they have to have certain qualities about them. And is insanity sanity one of them? I'm not sure. No, I'm joking. But um, <laughs> no, they, they, again, these kind of women that just want to do a little more and that's mm-hmm. a good thing to have in common with another woman. So they do tend to click, but yeah, my journey with pageants, um, I started out as um, basically I was part of an operatic society in Sheffield the Manor Operatic Society and a friend of mine one of the other dancers she got scouted for Miss England and I said oh you know I've seen these before I thought they're only American thing can we do it together she's like yeah sure um and then I looked a bit into it because I couldn't help doing a bit of research and I was like oh actually there's a huge charity element to this and um you know I there is a purpose to this. It isn't basically just a modelling competition. If it was a modelling competition, I wouldn't have been as interested because that's not something I'm particularly interested in. um Kind of on a big scale, like I like doing little local stuff. Of course, that's how we met. Yeah. But like, <laughs> you know, the, the big catwalks, London Fashion Week stuff like that doesn't really interest me. I like being on the other side, sort of thing. Yeah. um So yeah, so I went through it. My friend dropped out. She was like, "Oh, you know, I've got to raise all this money for charity. I, you know, I don't have time." Blah blah. And I was like, "Well, that's the reason I'm doing it." I, I looked into Beauty the Purpose, which is the miss. England and World Charity, and I fell in love about the things that they do, um, the fact that they've raised, I think, a billion since 18... um, and, and 1982, and you know that the woman at the forefront is Julia Morley. And she's a fabulous, brilliant soul, and um, yeah, just I, I just fell in love with it. Basically, and I said, "Well, you know what? I'm just going to do this until I lo- no longer can." So I kept going back. I did Miss England four times, and I was eventually successful on my fourth attempt. Just Ooh. after I'd finished, yeah, oh, I really went for it. Oh, um, yeah, and that, that's kind of my style, anyway. I, I'm quite used to failing. If anything, my my story is a story of failure, not success, because everything I have done has taken me several attempts. It took me, God knows how many attempts to get into uni god knows how many attempts to like oh all sorts of things Uh i'm I'm not someone who who gets it on the first go that's my story it's not actually about learn more Yeah, you'll learn more. (laughs) You do. I do learn more. And you meet more people. And I think rejection, learning how to handle rejection is one of the best qualities you can learn before you kind of really hit adulthood. And pageantry certainly did that. And about how to handle defeat graciously, and how to, you know, how to self assess and think about how can I improve? Do I need to improve? Do I need to actually just change things a little bit? And having that kind of self awareness is something that pageantry kind of teaches you on a really fast track scale. Instead of spending 10 years kind of working through that with your job or your profession, pageantry teaches that in the night and yeah. you have to get on with it and it's been the, the best quality i mean I, I applied for 12 phd's prior to getting the one i got wow. and i was so cool with it i was like eh next one yeah. and someone else i mean one of them i was particularly devastated about cuz it was one i really cared about but i realized now why i didn't get it cuz this is the one that was made for me so yeah, yeah. and so that's what pageantry taught me so yes i um I, I won miss england i went to miss world um had a wonderful time met again lots of brilliant, crazy people who are now my lifelong friends, called my world girls, very unoriginal, but there you go. (laughs) and um, and then yeah I was lucky enough to come third in Miss World I was appointed the title of Miss United Kingdom and Miss World Europe and then I worked with the Miss World team for a year um touring the world working on feminine hygiene awareness campaigns in Asia Amazing. in India, Indonesia and China and that I mean my purpose really um in kind of in that arena was the fact that um India in particular um contributes to 27% of the world's gynecological cancer cases wow. and we know it's because of a lack of access to port to good sanitation that they have you know there's lots of kind of taboos based around there so it was about going there and compassionately approaching a very different culture to ours and trying to help them um understand you know what was the best way for them to kind of change this because 27 percent of the world's gynecological cancers isn't an acceptable statistic if no. it is pre- preventable so it was about going there and working with governments um And kind of local regional organizations to make it the best way to preserve culture and to preserve. You know, we can't just come in there with ideas from the West and say this is how you need to do it because that's not the right thing to do, and it it wouldn't work. Those kind of it's completely different arenas. So yeah, it was about working with people and trying to. Well, basically, the result was that we ended up helping them. um, We appointed rural areas with um, biodegradable cemetery pad making machines so that they didn't have to worry about um, disposal of these. of, you know the the products that we use um but also it created economy in these rural areas for these women to make these pads sell these pads and then it gave them a little bit of independence That's which amazing. was a wonderful thing to do and it just allowed you know things to improve but in their way on their terms and yeah. that that was kind of the big thing that we let's say we left behind as part of um, our pageant journey so yeah that that i mean obviously a huge highlight. And then and then now um, I'm going for Miss Universe Great Britain because I want to do all that again. And that's, that's the short answer. People are like, oh, is it because you want to do this? I was like, no, I just want to compete again. I want to represent my country again and hopefully get those kind of opportunities and use the new skills that I have, that I've yeah. developed since two or three years ago um on a big on, on a big platform and on a different platform as well so yeah yeah I mean I'm sorry there isn't a short answer there's, there's no, so much I to mean in. I love
0: it. it's great no because it's fascinating because it's it's we were speaking before it's an industry that isn't we don't really we don't talk about it we don't see it really it's pageantry no. is very much it's very I, I see it as its own kind of bubble if you like it is Um, a bubble it is a bubble and but there's so much that goes into it and and we take it for face value we don't see the deeper the deeper things that you do um, no. you know, like like it is so charitable which is incredible and it's great because it ties in with y- you you just want to but this is the thing
1: it, it really it works beautifully alongside my lifestyle yeah and it's it's in no kind of way detrimental and I think you know on the days where you know, the whole point is that you don't want to be competing against these other women and you right. can get into that mindset and when the fans get involved they can start pitting you against each other so again for me it's made me have so much self-discipline and I'm still learning don't get me wrong I still have days I'm like well I'm not like her I can't do that I don't do Uh this Everybody does that. I'm not here like, you know, that. I'm so sure of myself. I know this. <laughs> you know, I'm not like that at all. Of course it's not. You know, I'm just a normal 21st yeah. century woman. It's how we are. Um, but no, it, it does make you have such an immense amount of self awareness and always be looking at yourself, you know, checking in with yourself, things like that. And there was a big study done about 10 years ago about the impacts of pageant on mental health, and it was looking at particularly at pageants that were very focused on the physical, on how beauty these contestants were on how fit they were and you know again to me they're just glorified modeling competitions you know yeah. so and the results were that they had had a detrimental effect on these women and I would love them to revisit that study for pageantry now modern pageantry now and I hope personally from my experience talking to you know other candidates I'm hoping that it'll be a complete role reversal and nice. these women are now far more confident than if they hadn't done pageants because of how much you have to check in how much you know you with what we've seen with mental health um, and the campaigns that we've you know, finally seen brought to light over the past couple of years, I think certainly pageantry makes you check in and say, am I OK? Do I need to talk to someone? Is this serving me? Actually doing this pageant isn't making me feel very good. So I'm going to go to a different system or I'm going to take a break from the industry. And I think yeah. because you have to constantly question that, it makes you very self-aware and it makes you able to kind of manage things. And it certainly has for me. It's, it's, it's just been great for that element thinking, how am I feeling Am I doing this for the right reasons? Is it serving me? Is it serving my community? I and mean, asking all those kind of questions really helps you kind of stay in check, which yeah. has been great for me. I mean, for someone else it might be too restrictive. So oh, yeah. you just never know, I guess. But yeah, no, it's um it is it, it is an industry that is a bubble and I suppose there's a huge there's a, a big lack of trust as well and we don't let many people into that bubble because we're worried that people come in and exploit it. Yeah. As yeah, we've seen absolutely. with Love Island. All yeah, of these I've female gone. Love Island contestants, they've all been former beauty queens. Yeah. ITV has got really got a thing about beauty queens. Um, I was on the voice and they were like, oh, we're gonna make it all about you being a beauty queen. I was like, oh for God's sake, guys, yawn. Uh, you know, yeah, if you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna use us for this, why don't you let us put Miss World back on the back on yeah. ITV prime time on a Saturday night? Come on, you don't get to pick and choose. Yeah. So we have seen that ITV has, you know, a big thing. TV in general has a big thing about using beauty queens for cheap mm. entertainment. So of course we've got some big trust issues now about yeah. letting people in if we don't trust that they're gonna portray it in the correct way and yeah. um, so that there is a couple of walls up now so yeah calling it a bubble is exactly the right thing I think okay. we've got these almost impenetrable walls at the moment because we've let t- we've let too many people in who yeah. have been exploited it and you know portrayed it in the wrong way and in a, in a way that is false
0: yeah absolutely and then it gives the whole it, it gives a very negative. V- a negative vibe around mm. it and that, and that's not fair especially no especially from what i i know of Of it through you, and that's kind of the only reason. I mean, there's
1: negative elements in every industry, isn't there? Ah, Um, Every single industry, I mean, you could say, let's say within the NHS, there's a couple of toxic traits in there where people are overworked or not as supported as well as they need to be, but there's also amazing elements. So, kind of only seeing the bad in pageantry is making out that it's not like every other industry. I mean, if you compare it almost with its counterpart, the modelling industry, from my experience and from many people's experience, the modeling industry is, is terrible. And there's a lot of people in there who do really exploit people. And that is a terrifying industry. So if you're gonna compare it, pageantry is so much safer yes. than say, its counterpart modeling. Mm. So you know, instead of maybe attacking pageantry where there is consistent proof, every day that people are doing good and they're doing good things that doesn't benefit them whatsoever and then you know you compare it with modeling where actually you know it's a very self-serving industry of course it is it's part of the advertisement industry and jobs can't always be about like oh what am i going to do for the community it can't always be focused on that because otherwise you know people wouldn't get anywhere would they yeah, but yeah that. it's you know if we're going to point fingers at any kind of industry where your presentation is a huge element of it. I think we should more be focusing probably on the modeling industry rather than pageantry if we have to pick and choose.
0: Yeah and and yeah I, I mean i i would agree only again from what i see from modeling at face value yeah and, and just hearing you speak you obviously get support if you need yes. it you yes i mean you, you've got your head screwed on you know you know when you need support <laughs> and mental health thankfully is now mm. spoken about more and more and more and Good, thank and, goodness thank goodness because people you know i've had i've had my bit with anxiety and depression mm. as i think everybody has yeah and and it's it's we it's something it's a journey that we all have to go on independently yeah. and i think
1: i think destigmatizing it was the yeah. f- biggest power shift we could ever have hoped for Absolutely. and seen and we are seeing that now people are talking about it now yes sometimes people are scared but it's more because they don't want to say something that could be a trigger yeah. that could trigger trauma and things like that but then again if that happens you just work through it and yeah we, we've just got to keep pushing forwards haven't we and keep pushing Absolutely. and you know be mindful again that everybody has an individual experience So what is trauma for one person isn't for another. But yeah, the fact that people are just talking about it now, that is what removes stigma, talking about something, telling stories. I, I think storytelling is just to me it's that that is the way we're going to get world peace yeah <laughs> you know if i, if I must yeah. to a stereotype but just tell stories yeah. hear about people's opinions whether it's in you know conflict that we're currently seeing you know in current events everybody yeah. needs to tell their stories and we need to know both sides to be able yeah. to kind of make our assessment as to where we stand that's yeah. all it is that's it's so easy. It's easy to tell stories
0: <laughs> i completely agree and it's interesting so obviously I'm a jewellery designer and I love mm. to share stories through jewellery um oh and this, and is
1: I lo- this is why this is why I love you in particular because I, I your focus is on what it means to that person of course and that's why I think you're so industry leading in that aspect
0: Oh, thank you. And then obviously with this, I want to share people's stories like yours. Mm. Like I've actually been editing one this morning for that's being released tomorrow. Um, mm. and, and that's about making change in the world. But it's about sharing people's stories. Um, actually, they're all about making change in the world. Yeah. <laughs> sharing people's There's stories. There's a lot to do. <laughs> there is a lot to do to make that change. And the more people hear about the stories, the more people can connect to the stories. Not everyone's going to connect to the same no. story, but the more people can connect to a certain something they will then go on and make that change and yeah. and it will just it'll it'll just make I, I mean with, with, with a
1: population yes. of seven billion someone is going to relate to that story exactly. whether it's one person I mean I've always said if I can leave this planet having made one person's life better or improved it in some way or even just shown them the way to make it easier to make it more pleasurable to make it more enjoyable then I'm I'm done Good job. I'll yeah,
0: do. I'm do happy with that. That's so <laughs> weird because so for the last 6 days I've been in and out of bed. I've not been able to I mean I'm a, I'm amazed that I'm awake right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not actually. But this morning I sat in bed and I thought, right, okay. So I was just thinking about life and, you know, I'm very, very grateful that I felt better this morning, very, very grateful that I could see the sunshine on the autumn leaves and all that cringy stuff. But I was thinking, (laughs) do you know what? I I don't really... I try and do all these big things and I try and achieve and duh, 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 duh. but actually if I can every day just make somebody's life a little bit better be that with the jewelry I make this conversation we're having right now somebody mm-hmm. will hear it. hopefully that'll make them feel better if I can yeah. just affect one person and and make their lives better then that's you know like you say completed it mate I've, I've yeah
1: done but and the easiest way to make someone's life better I have found is through storytelling. Yeah. And as much as with you know, both you and I are doing really big things in our industry and hopefully they'll have amazing impact, but actually I found that the biggest impact I've ever had was I've been working with um pediatric patients over the last year right. um, as part of the COVID trials, um recruiting for a study just looking at the health population of children. And actually the biggest impact I've ever really had, even comparing it to this menstrual hygiene um, awareness campaign we did, was just telling these kids you know they're between the age of 16 and 18 the majority of them they're going through a lot exams are terrible and if anything I just sat there and told them you know I'm on the other side of things I've got my little lab coat on and whatnot and I was saying to them oh just so you know I pretty much failed all my a-levels and I'm here and they were like no way and I was like yeah take some pressure off guys. There are alternative routes. You have time, hopefully if you're lucky, you're gonna have at least 70 to 80 years on this planet. Mm-hmm. If you really want it, you've got that long to make yeah. it. And they would just sat there and be like, "Some of GCSEs don't matter. I was like, well, they do. I said, if you can do well in them now, it just makes your life easier, but yeah. you are not gonna be defined by that little letter or number on a piece of paper for the rest of your life. And that is, if anything, the message I'm trying to kind of spread yeah. rather than kind of be like, eat healthy, look after yourself. Yeah. it's not actually that it's more like you know what the modern education system is a, you know it's good we have a good one in this side of the world but it's also got its flaws and we need to kind of again stop this whole stigma that you're defined by the decisions you make at 14 how can you be for goodness sake Absolutely. you know so that was that was the impact I actually found was far more immediate and probably bigger Is actually sitting there and telling these kids these exams are not going to ruin your lives yeah that you know if you want something you can get there and that seems really cheesy but again a huge part of what I'm doing at the moment is helping women in particular find alternative routes into STEM because there are alternative routes now which is great because again it used to be such science is such an inaccessible you know elusive world but it is becoming more accessible so it's telling these kids telling middle-aged women who want a career change how to get into it so no when it when it comes about impact and again improving people's lives Storytelling is the easiest one because we, we just again we push success so much that it's such a, a straight and narrow line. And maybe blame celebrity culture. Who knows? I'm not really. <laughs> clear, but, you know, when kids are growing up with so much awareness now because they have you know a supercomputer in, in the palm of their hand, telling them that actually it isn't it isn't straight and narrow for most people. Actually, the only ones that you're exposed to probably have had the straight and narrow route. Yeah. But that's not representative. That's not the population. No, so no. When it comes to, yeah, when it comes to making impact, that I've found has been the best way, personally.
0: Through storytelling. I love it. Amazing. And I I mean, I completely agree, 100%. And it's funny because I don't have... Uh, I say I don't have GCSEs. I I scrape through the Scottish version of GCSEs. I don't have A levels. So I I'm not. I don't good. Have, to have any letters or I'm glad
1: we're both sat here. Yeah. Letterless. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's
0: wonderful. I mean, you're good, you're about to have some some PhD letters, aren't you? But exactly. This is the thing. I mean, what?
1: I mean, that has just been the biggest cause of rebellion for me. Absolutely Amazing. obliterated standard education. Yeah. Somehow makes it that way. And my partner's a very similar story. So it, it's we tell our stories as much as we possibly can to these kids that you know you barriers don't suddenly come up if you don't get what you need it just means you have to take a different route and if anything my different route was way
0: better I had a great time and that's it and 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 also I think it's about understanding that you can have a great time you know they always say that it's not about the destination it's about the journey oh absolutely that needs drilling into people more
1: I think I've learned so much more as a result of not getting what I needed. Again, yeah. I've learned better people skills. Again, a work in progress. But you know, <laughs> I, I met up with a couple of my um, a couple of my school friends, and if anything, we were a, a bunch of kids who did okay but didn't quite get what we needed. And they're all such eccentric, magnificent, brilliant, electric people. And I was like, and that is because we had to take a different route. hundred yeah. percent. And that was what was so wonderful, surrounded by these people who had taken unconventional routes. And I was like, well, I'm not being biased or anything, but I think we seem to have had a better time about things, is all (laughs) I'm saying.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. I've had a bloody great time. Yeah! (laughs) Oh, Amazing. So, okay, so I'm going to move on then to legacy. So obviously the podcast is called Design Your Legacy. And I believe that we're all designing a legacy um, and we may realise it. We may not. um, uh, And I I think that the key to a fulfilled life is kind of knowing what your legacy, what you want your legacy to be. And it all aligns with purpose and what your mission is and basically how you're living your life. So what does the word legacy mean to you?
1: Well, I, I think to be honest, the majority of our conversation is know. centered around it without saying the L word, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think legacy to me, again, it, it's what you leave behind. It's either the story you leave behind, the impact you leave behind. And I don't think there's a way of measuring it either. If you want to leave a huge legacy behind that is kind of outside of your, say, familial or friend circle, um, if you want it to kind of reach into the community and further and maybe even touch people that you'll never meet or never even maybe know exist, then, you know, that, that's a big thing. And that is a huge legacy. But I, I think, you know, again like like we've said uh, all the way through this, that we are all stories actually yeah. at the end of it. When our time is up and when, you know, it comes that, you know, we, it's our time to leave this planet, someone will tell our story, be it our children, yeah. someone who knew us, you know, for the likes of you and I, people might tell our story, if they're in the industry later down the line, say, oh, well, they did this and I want to do this in my business or they did this and I want to do this in pageantry. And, you know, it, th- this is the thing in the end and everything that we've learned, I mean, you can even look at religion almost like this way. Yeah. Religion to me is an amazing storytelling, but there is no proof that there weren't these amazing healing people, mm-hmm. if we're going to give, give it a name, Jesus and the yeah. prophets. Um, with what I have seen in my life, I fully... I would believe that there were people like that. I've seen amazing healers in my life, people that just have incredible skills that can make people better. So it totally makes sense that there were these amazing scriptures written thousands of years ago about these incredible people that went around with a following and gave teachings. Is that not essentially what we're doing now, but just in a more modern way? (laughs) So that's what legacy is to me. Again, it's leaving that story behind. And, and having something to leave, leave behind. But it doesn't have to be big at all. No. If it's as simple as, you know, telling a little story that might make a child feel better or make a woman feel less alone or make a man feel, you know, that he's able to kind of, let's say, even break down the barriers of toxic masculinity, that is legacy. And yeah. it's it so simple. It's not about being this huge, flourishing thing that gets you an MBE or, you know, on the Queen's Honours list. That isn't legacy at all. Legacy is just simply about leaving something behind but we've all already done it just you you leave a legacy if you just exist it's easy <laughs>
0: oh i love it do you know what it's so strange because this is exactly what i've written down this morning as well <laughs> that, <Yes! laughs> you know that it doesn't matter it can be as much as you know a legacy can be Sharing your story to a, yes. sp- a room full of school kids, which I yeah. love doing. Do you know what? I've I've done a few speaking gigs, and s- speaking to school children is one of the scariest thing I've ever done. It is just- because you you don't know what they're going to come out with. No, and I don't
1: think they're particularly judgmental. I think we think <laughs> we're going to go in there, and, and they're going to go and be like. What are you talking about? No, it's more, they could come out with something so obscure, you'll be like, I can't
0: process this right now. How has your brain taken this and done that with it? Wow. Um, And, and, you know, it can be something as small as that. But then that Mm. small thing, I mean, I say as small as that. It can be as small as, like, helping a lady cross the road or it is is and it's a cliche but that is is. it's that
1: simple or you know leaving a little bit of food out for a stray cat it it can be anything and you that's the best part is that there is almost no starting point because it is
0: whatever you have capacity for but it's still legacy and that that's the beauty of it absolutely and and I think that's why um I don't know it (sighs) is we get so bogged down with the day-to-day of life and the shit that life throws at us. And, (laughs) you know, and and the stuff that doesn't matter really. Mm, And and it's sometimes it's hard to see past that. But I think when we're reminded of things like legacy and when we're Mm. reminded of the change that we can make by just smiling at somebody in the street, um, that makes life worth living and it makes it more full it gives you a more fulfilled sense of I don't know living
1: I think life is so much easier when it's simpler yeah when you when you simplify it down to things like that when you don't worry so much about what's coming into the bank account each month and a lot of people would say well that's okay for you to say um but you know i've i have been on a very modest wage for the past five years now i'm still working as a waitress i'm not sat here in a lamborghini like oh yeah i'm fine (laughs) (laughs) i'm not like that at all you know at the moment i'm bunking at the fellas hopefully we're just trying to M- yeah. might just be purchasing our first house if Ooh. it goes through but you know I'm 27 and all my friends yeah. bought their first house at like 19 and stuff so I feel like I'm massively behind Stephanie I don't ask a house <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing and I'm just like why did I never find these people when it mattered yeah. whereas now I'm, I'm cool with it but now I'm like oh well it's happened now thank finally yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know but that's the thing and again they always say comparison is the thief of joy and yeah. I think it's also the thief-, thief of leaving a legacy if you're comparing your legacy to someone else you're completely losing the point and absolutely. you're losing the simple joy that you would get from that yeah absolutely
0: I agree oh amazing so my <laughs> last question for you because again, yes. again we could talk all day <laughs> um what right so what is one piece of advice that you can give to people who are leaving a legacy and living a meaningful life
1: oh oh I mean, I don't want to say start small, because you don't have to, if you don't want to. I mean, oh, I think know that what you're leaving behind will impact someone. It's an absolute guarantee. There are so many people on this planet that the odds are that, you know, that there's absolutely, you know, the probability of it, of it being found, of it being seen, are, like, amazing. <laughs> you know, it's not, I think there are so many people again with purpose who they struggle with purpose who think well what I'm doing doesn't matter yes it does you exist that matters and that's that's the start of it that's how simple and easy it is yeah when it when you know you don't have to kind of overwhelm yourself and think well I need to do this and whatever or if you are one of those people who know exactly kind of where you're working to brilliant you know that will just make your route slightly different to someone else's but oh yeah with with legacy again comparison is the absolute thief of it you there's no point you looking at someone else because they're on a different path to you they've got different things different skills different experiences different traumas as well you know it's the good and the bad but yeah just it every everything that you do will impact someone unless you literally lock yourself up in a room for the rest of your life <laughs> and never see anyone but even then it will you will have already impact someone by that, then exactly. yeah you, you can't can help it impact. you cannot help impacting people yeah. so if you're going to impact people you know make sure it aligns with your legacy and make sure it aligns with what you want to do it, it, it is easier than than it sounds
0: yeah. <laughs> oh um, stephanie that's amazing i completely agree and you know Uh, yeah I mean I'm just in awe of this conversation and thank you so much for coming we've had a good time (laughs) we have had a good time and that's it and you know hopefully this podcast um will go on and this conversation will go on and impact somebody to either realize they don't need to be comparing themselves to everybody that they, that they see on instagram or no. you know and and realize. it's just
1: a form of advertising i mean i've i've yeah. got plenty of things to say about social media but <laughs> in the end it is it is a form of advertising and that is how we it must is. see it, it we is. need to be transparent about that it started out as a game or whatever it was that facebook started as but now it is a it's an advertising platform just like yeah. television started out as entertainment but it's yeah. now an advertising yeah platform. exactly so we need to see it for what it is
0: we need to see it for what it is. Absolutely. And I think social, I think I've had this conversation on the podcast before that social media is, um, it is what you make it. So I, on my personal Instagram, I'm actually choosing to share my journey, my cancer journey, um, which, you know, I'm hoping that can help somebody else who might be going through something similar Um, and you know people can choose to follow that or they they don't have to but hopefully that will have a positive impact on somebody because I'm not I'm not advertising anything apart from the fact that I'll go through a bit of a shit time um yeah. and it's not even that shit I don't mean that um but then obviously with obviously I've got Rosanna Croft jewellery and when yeah. I that I I want to share the beautiful pieces of jewellery that I make and yeah it is it's, it's different social media is what you make it I don't follow Absolutely. anything that makes me feel crap.
1: No, and I've been doing that this whole, they've been advising people to don't follow things that make you feel bad. And if that is a beautiful person, because you think I can't relate to that. I don't have that life. And I'm only going to be jealous if I see it. So I'm going to get rid of it. I've done that. You know, you've seen these models or these travel influencers that get to go all over the world. I sit there and go, but I want to do that. But then I sit there and think over my cup of tea. But could you, Steph? Because you'd be traveling, but then you'd be like, well, I need to go and see a patient or I need to go and write a, a paper. So don't make out like you'd want that life. Be honest with yourself. It's lovely, but you wouldn't want it full time. So no, I, I've done the big kind of social media clear out where I'm just like, well, yeah. it's wonderful, but it doesn't serve me. So, yeah, exactly. Off it goes.
0: And, and again, it's that comparison being the thief of joy Yeah, because, absolutely. compared to the influencers who are. Have- you know, jetting off all around the world. But then, you know, that's their path. We're on our own path. If we all have our own purpose and our own legacy to follow, then we won't feel that. That no. no I,
1: I find when I'm busy, I don't look at social media like that. I'll look at social yeah. media for a break, and I'll certainly in my, and my partner's case, we'll look at usually funny videos of horses. That's our thing, <laughs> and oh, we and do cats. that for five or ten minutes. Your cats, you know. I think everyone's finding out that horses are equally as funny as cats and dogs. Okay, Get on I'll, it! I'll, like horse I'll Instagram find, is hysterical. I'll find some horse reels. <laughs> <laughs> do but there are so many and they're so great. But yeah, so we 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 use it for that in, instead. And when I'm busy, I don't have time to sit and scroll through and look at who's going to Dubai or the Maldives or Bora Bora you know I'm, I'm flagging the top three there doesn't yeah. mean I don't want to go of course <laughs> I, I want to go don't we'll,
0: <laughs> we'll <get there>. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: yeah so I find if I'm busy and I have purpose I am less inclined to look at that and want to compare myself because I'm so assured I'm like nope this is where I'm going and that's that nothing can take me off
0: this that's amazing so yeah I, I absolutely hundred <laughs> percent Thank you so much, Stephanie. This has been an absolutely incredible conversation. Um, Thank you for having me. (laughs) It's been so good. And obviously I will share all the links to follow Stephanie and her journey in cancer research and her pageantry and everything else. All the (laughs) other incredible things that she does. I've known Stephanie for a few years now and she's always amazed me. Not just with everything that she does, but how passionate she is about everything. Stephanie could have gone into any one career path but decided not to be defined by one talent or passion and in fact chooses to follow all of them for the love of them and not because she needs to be the best at everything. I think it's really admirable and in fact a wonderful way to live life to its fullest. What talent or passion do you have that you could pursue just for the love of it and not to win at it? This is actually a question I ask myself quite regularly at the moment. (laughs) I also agree with her about how the power of storytelling is so important and it can help change the world. A story, after all, is a legacy. One of the important lessons I think we all need reminding of is that comparison is the thief of joy and to compare ourselves to others is to not see our own value. I believe we should be working on ourselves rather than paying too much attention to what others are doing. Something I was once told and still remind myself of is that when we see someone and get a bit envious or try to compare ourselves to somebody else, then in our minds, thank them for showing us what is possible and then get back to working on ourselves and following our own dreams. After all, we're all on our own individual journeys. You can connect with and follow Stephanie and myself through the links in the show notes. I really hope you've enjoyed this conversation and if you did, please leave us a review and perhaps share it with a friend. You can now sign up for the Design Your Legacy newsletter for updates and little insights and musings from myself about the world. Have a wonderful day. I would also like to thank everybody for listening to Design Your Legacy. Every listener, every rating, every comment means so much to me because I know that hopefully this has... had a positive impact on your day and maybe even your life as I find a lot of inspiring stories can as part of my wider mission I want to encourage and support women all around the world to live their best life possible and one way that I'm doing this is for every woman I interview on the podcast I am giving a micro business loan to a woman in Malawi to help support her in entrepreneurship so thank you once again for listening I really hope you've enjoyed the episode and have a wonderful